Hey guys, welcome back to episode 11 of Prospect Barn. I'm Curtis Ratner. Uh, unfortunately, Jeff couldn't be with us for this episode due to an uh, unforeseen prior engagement. But uh, we have a very special guest joining us, uh, someone that I've been a big fan of for a while. Uh, he's known on Twitter as at statboy underscore Steven. Thanks for joining us. Hey, man. Uh, yeah, thanks for, uh, for inviting me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I've been following you on Twitter for feels like years now. I'm not even sure how long it's been, but uh, love the content you put out. Uh, very big into the hockey prospect world, especially Rangers prospects, which is great for me being a Rangers fan. But, uh, you know, when Jeff wasn't available, I figured why not send out a shot in the dark and uh, ended up getting you on and it uh, should be a lot of fun. Yeah, collaborations are always fun, so I'm looking forward to this. Okay, really quick, uh, just because we are a hockey podcast, we're going to do a quick, just very brief recap of the Stanley Cup final. Obviously, Tampa Bay finally getting over the hump. Uh, John Cooper, all those questions are done being answered. You know, they finally able to move on and win, pretty much doing it without Stamkos. He only played, I think it was like 247 was the exact time, I think, but uh, did have an impact. We'll get into that. But, uh, yeah, Tampa Bay beats Dallas. Uh, Victor Hedman was unbelievable winning the Conn Smythe. Uh, I know for you, being over in Austria, it's definitely a little bit harder to watch those games. But uh, I'm sure, as an avid hockey fan, you were following along with everyone. Yeah, um, I may have not watched every game live because, uh, I, I mean, watching the Ranger games at 1 a.m. is one thing. Getting up for a Stanley Cup final between the t- teams from Dallas and Tampa at 2 a.m., that's uh, a bit much. So I usually watch the extended highlights in the morning and then just go over and see what happens. And yeah, the Stamkos thing was really weird, like playing a couple of shifts, scoring a goal, and then go and then leaving again. It was it was weird. But yeah, you're right. Tampa finally got over the hump, finally got their cup. Yeah, it was bizarre to see for sure. Uh, it was awesome, though, obviously, that he contributed, got the goal. Not that he wouldn't have helped because everyone, everyone in that locker room kept saying in all their interviews, like even though Stamkos isn't playing, he's still like, it's awesome having him here. He's great for the room, stuff like that. But uh, I think for him personally, it might not have felt the same had he not gotten in any games. But the fact that he played, got in, scored a goal, like I guess his name on the cup in his mind might feel a little bit more meaningful now, the fact that he was actually a part of the run and got into a game. So that's awesome. Um, one other thing noting about uh, – Tampa Bay real quick is that two of those key guys in that run and Anthony Sorelli and Mikhail Sergachev are both uh, restricted free agents coming up this season and there's been rumors going around about a possible offer sheet for one of them. Uh, I was curious if you had any opinions on that or any thoughts to who might be doing it and I mean it seems like something a team some team has to try for one of them I feel like no. Um, Offer sheets are a weird thing I mean everyone knows they exist everyone knows the possibilities there but until last year with Sebastian Ajo I think the last time a player got an offer sheet was 2012 uh, with Shea Weber it has been a while I'm not sure exactly but yeah yeah and and honestly and I love the CBA I love diving into those those little tidbits and everything so I would love to see more offer sheets and the Tampa Bay Lightning that yeah, they are in a situation where they have to real big contributors as RFAs. Um, I really don't see any of them, either of them leaving Tampa. I think Tampa will figure out a way to make it work with the cap, like they have been doing for years. Uh, they have guys like Tyler Johnson, Alex Kalorn, uh, Andre Pollard, 
they can offload them to to generate cap space to keep their their better guys on the team. So I don't think they're going anywhere. But if there is ever an off season for a team to go for an offer sheet, this is probably the one with Brazil with the Islanders as well, of course. That's also a big one. Yeah, exactly. There's a I said offer sheets like you said hadn't been very common until Aho. So uh, I think that kind of sparked the idea of almost not bringing them back in a sense, but making them a little more popular again. At the end of the day, like we said, all it did was give uh, give Carolina the chance to – how many years was it? It was like five or something like that, I think, on the Ajo one. So it gave him a chance to sign him uh, short-term, even though they – I guess they could have wanted to give him a longer contract, lock him up longer. He can now leave after five years as opposed to however many they signed him for. So I guess it's something to keep an eye on again. But like, I, I think just – the way those two guys performed, I think that there's going to be a lot of attention for them around the league, and the offer sheet obviously would be the best way to kind of, I guess, get your first uh, first chance at them, especially them being restricted. <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing with offer sheet where that, that most people don't understand is it, it's not always about getting the player now. When, when Bergevin gave that offer to Aho last year, it may not have been about getting him that summer, but by giving him a five-year deal – it makes him an unrestricted free agent at age 26 or 27. So they, they put Carolina in a situation where they either had to match the offer sheet and sign him for only five years or lose him now. And it puts them in a difficult position five years from now. So if they can do something similar with Sirelli or Sergachev, even if you're not getting the player, you're putting some pressure on Tampa. Yeah, very well said. Uh, with that, I think we should probably move on, being that the NHL draft is scheduled for – this Tuesday, October 6th, beginning 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, something that I look forward to every year, obviously. The draft is a great time of year. It kind of brings back the hockey feel normally after a, normally after a playoffs that end, you know, typically in you know, uh, June. Now we're here in October. The playoffs just ended. We're getting ready for the draft, and we're going to have training camp a few months, like a, maybe a January startup. So such a weird feel, but... Uh, it's pretty much draft season, and I can't wait, especially considering you and I both being Ranger fans. First pick belongs to, you said, the New York Rangers. Uh, yeah, um, the Rangers winning the draft lottery was such an unreal experience. It was like, I think it was like 1.30 a.m. my time when it happened. And uh, I was on the phone with my girlfriend who is in Queens at the moment. And because my stream had like a two-minute delay, so I decided to just video call her and, and watch the draft through our video call on her TV. And the first thing I thought when that ball came up, I saw a logo with blue and red. And the first thing that went through my mind was, which team also has blue and red? Because that cannot be the Rangers. I just couldn't believe it. And I was like, Montreal Canadiens? But they're not in the lottery. And it, it, it took like a second or two to realize that it was actually the Rangers logo on that ping pong ball. So, But, you know, it's, uh, I think it's fair for the Rangers to finally get a first overall pick. Um, that they've only had a, uh, had, a, had it once, and that was 1965, I think, which was really not the same as the entry, entry draft now because until 19, I want to say 1969, uh, not every 18-year-old was eligible. So it was a different system. So technically the Rangers for the first time ever got a first overall pick in the NHL draft. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's... As a Rangers fan, you know, pretty much my entire life, ever since I can remember, like, pretty much anything, I remember watching the Rangers. So uh, it was an awesome feeling having them win it. 
Uh, obviously, they moved up last year and drafted Kako, and now they move up again. And I think I can say for certainty going into our mocks here, the only person that I can pretty much guarantee we will have a consensus on is Alexei Lafreniere at number one to the New York Rangers. Uh, yeah, there's no question. And there's some rumors going around that the Rangers might trade the pick, but I don't see that happening. Uh, first overall pick has never been traded in the salary cap era. We have a flat cap for three years. It just doesn't make sense to trade away a first overall pick when you are up against the cap for, like, I've seen discussions about Jack Eichel, 10 million. Uh, the Rangers cannot even afford him because if you put him on the Rangers with that 10 million cap, uh, cap hit, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot when, you're, when your entry-level contracts uh, come off the books. Just working uh, next summer, Fox and Kako the year after that. Uh, they really need the cap space in following years, so I don't see that happening at all. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. Uh, while it is nice to daydream about Jack Eichel on the New York Rangers, like we said, I don't see it happening. The Rangers are not going to be willing to trade that first pick. Uh, it's just, it's a nice thought, but realistically, it just doesn't seem possible. Uh, it just keeps everyone busy on Twitter until the draft is here, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, as far as Lafreniere goes, he's, I guess, He's much more of a consensus than Jack Hughes was last year, being that Kako made that late push. But, I mean, I haven't heard anyone in the hockey media saying there's pretty much any chance they take anyone else. Like, yeah, the Rangers are somewhat set on left wing as is, having Panarin and Kreider, but that's not going to affect the fact that Lafreniere is just the most draft-ready player, the best player. He's been the best at every level he's played. There's absolutely no reason they shouldn't take him. Yeah, and um, I think you shouldn't look too much into position. Uh, aside from the difference between a defenseman and a forward, um, when you look at players like Panarin and also Lafreniere, they don't really play specifically the left side. You know, they they don't stick to that left side throughout the game. Uh, if you look, if you look up highlight videos of Lafreniere, you can see him entering the zone literally anywhere on the on the blue line. Uh, defensively, it's the same thing. And Panarin is the exact same way. The game is so much more dynamic in 2020 than it was in 1995, to, just to make a comparison. So you can easily have Panarin and Lafreniere on the same line. Um, and at right wing, we have Bujnevich, we have Kako. Now we have uh, Panarin, Lafreniere, Kreider. That's five wingers for the top nine. That's, that's, that's perfect. Um, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins won two cups with Phil Kessel on their third line. So... Yeah, exactly. Depth, especially come playoff time, is so important, and Lafreniere is only going to help add to that of the Rangers. Uh, he'll probably be a shoo-in on that. Not a shoo-in. I'd say he'll probably find his way onto that first power play, playing that right side so they don't have Ryan Strom, another righty, taking up that side. You have the option for the one-timer, something that kind of bugged me watching the Rangers all last year. Is Kako and Buchnevich were, you know, whether it was Buch being hurt or Kako struggling, they kind of had Ryan Strom, that extra right-handed shot on that side. And it kind of limited the options, I thought. But uh, Lafreniere is a guy who can come in, play power play. I think he will be able to play top six minutes uh Maybe not right off the bat, but not not too long in his NHL career. He's one of the most NHL-ready people we've seen in a while. Uh, we thought that about Kako last year, but one of the least talked about things when it comes to these European prospects is the adjustment onto the small ice. And you can tell that Kako definitely had a little bit of an adjustment period there. Uh, there was no other Finns on the Rangers roster. He moved from pretty much a town of I don't even know how many into New York City. It's definitely got to be a little bit of a shock to you. And I think he'll... 
be fine. I think he'll be the player we all hoped he would be. But uh, I said adding Lafreniere will also help his compete level, I think. Another young guy, you know, first, second overall. Not that they're going to be competing, but kind of motivating each other to be better each night. Yeah, it takes the spotlight off of Kako a bit. And, um, yeah, you touched up uh, on it a little bit. But for these European kids, I think the off-ice adjustment is often overlooked. Um, moving to a country where you don't, where they don't speak your language. You, they might speak English, but if it's not your first language, it's always difficult. Um, I moved to South Africa myself when I was 21, so I've been through that 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 change in life. And I was 21, and I was struggling. So for a kid at age 18 to do this, I can understand that they have trouble adjusting. And you know, it's it was only his first year, and it's not like Jack Hughes was any better. So. Um, they were all struggling in the NHL. He's a year older, and he looked much better in the qualifying round against the Hurricanes. Yeah, for sure. I thought he was actually one of our best players. Uh, not that not that many guys played too well in that series, but uh, I did think he was one of our best guys. Um, I guess we can move on now. Kind of got sidetracked about the Rangers. I had a feeling that would happen being we're both Ranger fans, but uh, at least for me, uh, the LA Kings are selecting second. I have them taking Quinton Byfield from Sudbury in the Ontario League. Uh, yeah, it makes sense for them to go with Byfield. For a lot of people, he is the clear number two in the draft. Um, although Tim Stutzler from Germany is sometimes ranked second by, by people. Um, between those two, I would think, I would say it's 65-35 in favor of Byfield. Um, but yeah, whoever is left at three is probably the easy pick for Ottawa then. Yeah, similar to the Rangers with Kako last year, Ottawa will have the easiest pick this year, being that whether it's Stutzler or Byfield. And uh, Ottawa had a, the best chance, actually, at winning the lottery, having uh, two picks, their own, and San Jose's from the Eric Carlson trade. So uh, at three, I have them taking Stutzler. Um, very dynamic skill on this kid. Uh, I see him being more of a winger in the NHL. He has the ability to play center as well. But uh, I don't think you can go wrong with either of those two picks. So pretty much they're just taking whoever LA doesn't. Yep. Easy pick. Easy pick for them. Okay, so the fourth pick is Detroit Red Wings, who had a horrific season, like all-time bad. Last time I remember a team being this bad was Colorado. And I'm not even sure what year that was, 14 or 15 maybe. It was seems like forever ago now. But, I mean, this was – probably even worse this was hard to watch this year for the for the Red Wings but uh Steve Eiserman is kind of under the radar made some nice moves already uh I think drafting Mort Cedar at six was a big surprise but he looked very good last year had a phenomenal world junior so that pick's looking a lot better now than it did a year ago but uh I personally have them taking another defenseman and that's Erie defenseman Jamie Drysdale at the fourth pick um, yeah, and again, it makes sense because, uh, to be fair, Detroit needs help in every department. It doesn't matter if they go with a forward, a goalie, or a defenseman. They they just they're just entering a rebuild. They add up Mark Stahl to get a second round pick. Um, I know the one name that's been linked with them is Cole Perfetti. So if I had to put my money down on a player, I would probably go with Cole Perfetti. But Drysdale and also Jake Sanderson are probably up there for contention in the in the top five if a team is really going for a defenseman. So I was curious. Do you think that Jake Sanderson does have the? I mean, obviously you don't know who's what team's taking him, but could Sanderson potentially go ahead of Drysdale? 
He could be, unless they're both available at five. I don't see Ottawa going with Sanderson over Drysdale because I, I feel with Ottawa, they'll, they'll just go with familiarity because they, the two are so close. And Drysdale playing in the Ontario Hockey League, they may have seen a lot more of him than they've seen of Sanderson and, and they'll just feel more comfortable with, uh, with Drysdale. Also, because <clears throat> going with Drysdale, I think he would pair really well with Thomas Shabbat. And Shabbat and Drysdale would be a great top pairing to uh, to go into the next decade for them. Yeah, Ottawa has – it's kind of under the radar how good some of these Ottawa defensive prospects are. You have Shabbat, who everyone knows now. He's been an all-star. He's absolute – you know, just, he was playing, what was it, like 28 minutes a game, it felt like, throughout the season. You just kept seeing every night, like Thomas Shabbat, 25-plus, 25-plus every night. It was kind of insane. Uh, in the Mark Stone trade, they acquired Eric Brandstrom from the Vegas Golden Knights. They drafted Lassie Thompson, and now the ability to get one of these guys potentially. They are uh, they're kind of under the radar, building a very nice decor there, and it could be very good in a few years. Yeah, and and the other thing is, I don't see Ottawa with two top five picks going with two forwards. It to me, it doesn't make too much sense to go with two forwards. So forward and defenseman. It's probably the right way to go for them since they need help in both categories still. So then that would mean, according to you, most likely Jamie Drysdale would be going into Ottawa at fifth, having you just said, not doing the back-to-back forward type thing, which I can definitely see. Jamie Drysdale was uh, a great defenseman this year, uh, plays with a lot of confidence, a lot of poise for such a young man, and uh, he looks like a great fit for the modern-day NHL, his ability to get the puck up ice quick, make smart decisions, things of that nature. Uh, moving on to the number six pick, I have them Anaheim Ducks selecting Lucas Raymond, uh, a Swedish forward from Frölunda uh, in the Swedish Elite League. Uh, the thing about Swedish Elite League players, KHL players, the guys that aren't coming out of juniors, is their numbers are never as staggering. Obviously, you're playing against grown men, you're playing on a much more you know a professional level of hockey as opposed to major junior. So Lucas Raymond's four goals might not obviously stick out to you but uh this kid knows how to put the puck in the back of the net and uh could be a great player down the road so i i I love that pick yeah and for anaheim i think i think it's between two players for them alexander holtz is probably the other one though they might look at um and i'm always always really good at scouting in in europe especially sweden uh i always see their scouts at, at junior tournaments when i go uh they're always fun to talk to and um yeah, it, it just depends on if they are willing to overlook the uh, the red flags that surround Lucas Raymond a little bit because there, there are some there is some criticism about his attitude. If they don't think that's an issue, they'll probably go with Raymond. But I could see them go with Alexander Holtz, who is probably who probably has the best shot in this draft class. He's an elite sniper and he plays for Djurgården and in, in the Swedish Hockey League as well. And yeah, I mean honestly, you cannot go wrong with either of these two. Yeah, Holtz was the guy I actually had going next, New Jersey. I could definitely see those picks being flip-flopped there anywhere. You really, once you get beyond the first couple five picks, it's so hard to tell because one team drafts off the board and it automatically pretty much bumps everyone up another like potential spot. So really after you get out to the top five or so, it's so hard to actually pick the team they go to correctly. But uh, I could see that going either way. Alexander Holtz, another Swedish forward, like you said, uh, another great goal scorer. So either of those picks... Obviously, uh, not bad. Uh, next, I have the Buffalo Sabres. And like we talked about as soon as we came on, just because we were mentioning Eichel to the Rangers, like the Jack Eichel trade talks are up. Uh, everything in Buffalo is kind of a dumpster fire still. They seem to start the year 
well pretty much every year and just slowly fall off until they're nowhere near playoff contention come the end of the year, having the fact that they didn't make a 2014 format this year. But uh, I think they take Marco Rossi uh, forward out of Ottawa in the Ontario League, had 120 points in 56 games, one of the most skilled guys in the draft. And yes, you have Eichel. Yes, you have Dylan Cousins. But I think Marco Rossi is the next most talented guy. And I think this earlier in the draft, like you said earlier, you don't look too much in a position as long as it's not forward defenseman type split. So I think they go with Rossi. Yeah, and and Buffalo is just a team that either if it's if it's a winger or a center, they can use it in their in their prospect pool. Um, even if Eichel is there for the next five six years, it'll take Rossi a year or two to get ready anyway. Um, but yeah, Rossi from the Ontario Hockey League as well. Uh, so proximity can can favor the Sabers a little bit here. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I, it's a good pick. The other center that's of course on the board in this range is Anton Lundell from Finland. Um, who I actually have going to Minnesota at nine. That's where I had him going as well. I know you're a big fan of his. I remember seeing uh, all the info you'd put out on Twitter before the Rangers won the lottery, uh, saying if they didn't, he's a guy you would have loved to see fall to the Rangers potentially. But uh, I guess luckily we don't have to worry about that anymore. We know where we're picking. We know who we're picking. So, uh, yeah, Lundell to Minnesota. Uh, I think it's a good fit for them. Uh, Minnesota... I think they kind of shocked a lot of people. I know the 2014 format, but they had a much better season than I thought they were going to have. And uh, I think Lundell can just, you know, help add to this young uh, young pool of talent they already have. Yeah, and, and uh, Minnesota has a good experience drafting kids from Finland. They they had Koivu for many years on their team. They, dra- they drafted Grunlund, I think, also at ninth overall in 2010. Um, and there are some people who don't really – think Anton Lundell has the high ceiling that you would want from a top 10 pick. But I, I disagree with that. He is, uh, like, well, when he plays in the Finnish league, he's always producing. Uh, on top of his elite two game, uh, uh, two-way game, he's an alternate captain at age 18 for, for his team in Helsinki. Um, yeah, I mean, you cannot really go wrong with a player like that in the top 10. Um, he might not really have that, that upside where he will go s- score 50 goals, but a, the, the, the player I would compare him to is maybe like if everything clicks, uh, someone like Sean Couturier, like elite two-way play and, and production to, to, to add to that. So I think the Minnesota Wild, if they, if they don't go for a goalie, then it'll be Anton Lundell for sure. Yeah, they already obviously have Kirill Kaprizov in the system who everyone seems to be talking about now. And that's the guy that's going to be your potential 50-goal scorer. Not that... Not that, you, not that you can ever have too many of those, but like you said, Lundell could be a, uh, a great two-way guy for them, kind of play power play, penalty kill, all, you know, all areas of the ice and just be kind of that reliable uh, centerman that every team needs. You, know, you can't think of a team that's won the Cup that doesn't have that reliable two-way centerman every single year. It's a reliable two-way centerman, a stud defenseman, and a goalie kind of are the, the main things you see in the Cup winners every single year after year type thing. So uh, that seems like a good fit for them. They're at number nine. Uh, number 10, the Winnipeg Jets. I have Jake Sanderson. I think they their defense is just absolutely depleted. They lost Truba after last season. Bufflin retired. Tyler Myers went to Vancouver. Uh, they drafted Vinny Hinola last year. I think it was 18th overall. And uh, I think they need to go with another defenseman here because their D is just it's a, not up to par for, for how good the rest of that team is. 
Yeah, uh, and also when you get to the 10th overall pick and Sanderson is there, he's probably the best player available. So it's it's sort of a little bit of both for, for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, they do need defenseman Jake Sanderson in a very forward-heavy top 10. Uh, if he is there at 10, you just take him. Uh, the only question is, is Jamie Drysdale or Jake Sanderson the first defenseman off the board? Other than that, if one of those two is there at 10, I don't see the Winnipeg Jets uh, passing on them. Um, so, yeah, uh, good defenseman and just exactly what they need in their system. Okay, moving on now is the Nashville Predators with pick number 11, and I have them selecting Seth Jarvis from Portland in the WHL. Um, Nashville's a team that has just seemingly always been stocked on defensemen, whether it's ones they've traded away or ones they've had. You know, if you like look through defensemen they've had over the years, it was like Ryan Suter, Shea Weber. They traded away Seth Jones as well. They still have guys like Matthias Ekholm, Roman Yossi, um, Ryan Ellis, I mean, the, their D has just always been so good. Uh, I'm just assuming they'll continue to produce these young defensemen well. Uh, I don't think Matt Duchesne is the guy they really want as their first-line center for the foreseeable future, and I think a guy like Jarvis has the potential to maybe grow into a role like that, so I think it's a good fit for Nashville. Yeah, and uh, Nashville is one of their three teams that I always – that I always see drafting a forward in the first round because they are so good at finding defensemen later on. The other two are Anaheim and Minnesota. I don't know where they find these defensemen, but they always seem to get them in like the third, fourth, fifth round. So in, with, a, with an 11th overall pick for Nashville, it makes sense to not go uh, defenseman. Um, I have them going with uh, Yaroslav Oskarov, though, here at eleven. Um, I mean, Pekarine is a great goalie, but he's on the on the downside of his career. He only has a couple of years left. Uh, Oskarov will play two, three years in Russia. So I think the timeline for Oskarov to come over with Rene retiring and probably being better than Yusuf Saros, I think just fits them well, fits, fits really well here at 11th overall. Okay, I was actually very curious to see where you had Oskarov going just because, you know, especially middle of the first round, you never know where the goalie's going to go. It was the same thing with Spencer Knight last year. You saw him anywhere from 10 to like 30, it felt like, in mock drafts. You really didn't know. So uh, I did not have him going to Nashville just because, like you said, Soros. I think Soros is a guy they at least want to roll their dice with. Obviously, there's no way of knowing what they will decide. But uh, as far as Askarov goes, I actually had him going to Carolina at 13, and I'll get into that. But uh, first is Florida at 12, and I had Florida selecting uh, Jack Quinn. Uh, yeah, Jack Quinn is, uh, is the guy I have here for Florida as well. Probably the, the guy that has been ranked top 10 by a lot of people who I most likely see falling out of that top 10. Um, of course, he played for the Ottawa 67s in the OHL, put up great production. Um, but the one red flag I have with him that I don't have for Marco Rossi is that, in my opinion, Jack Quinn put up a lot of points with players who were 20 or 21 years old. I think they had five players aged 20 or 21 uh, who, who, put up, um, who put up points for, for their team, like significant number of points. And in a junior league where you have players aged 16, 17, and 18, that's a huge advantage. And I think that helped Jack Quinn a little bit. It doesn't mean he's a bad prospect. I just think that that might see him fall out of the out of the top ten, and a team like Florida needs wingers. They're going to lose Davinov. They're going to lose uh, Hoffman. Um, 
So for Florida, go going for a winger that falls out of the top 10 makes sense. Okay, perfect. Uh, at 13, like we just mentioned, I had Carolina selecting Askarov. Uh, I feel like they're a team that is loaded with young talent, both offensively and defensively. You saw what a star Sebastian Ajo and Andrei Svechnikov were in the playoffs. <laughs> Sadly, coming at the hands of our New York Rangers. But uh, I just feel like there's not much goalie talent in the system. Uh, it's... Uh, Piort Kachetskov, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, is the is their guy they've got right now, is supposed to be their highest ranked prospect goal. He was taken in the second round in 2019, but uh, you never know how goalies are going to pan out. Uh, they only have one def- uh, one goalie in their top 10 ranked in their prospect system right now, so I think Askarov would be a great fit there. I think if he can live up to the potential that everyone thinks he has, and these young stars for Carolina just continue to progress. I think they can be a very good team and a cup contending team for a good amount of years. Yeah, and for Carolina, again, it's another team, probably the fourth best team when it comes to drafting defensemen. They don't need a defenseman. It's either forward or goalie. I could see Oskarov going to them if he's there, but in my mock, I have Seth Jarvis going to Carolina. So Jarvis and Oskarov swapped compared to yours. Okay, sounds good. Uh, the 14th pick is the Edmonton Oilers, and I don't want to make it too off-topic. We actually kind of briefly talked about it last episode, but uh, you, the last thing you want to see is the Edmonton Oilers waste Connor McDavid's career. And you can say, yes, they got in last year. Uh, weird format. I'm not going to really hold the loss to Chicago against them too bad, but I just think from a defensive standpoint and a goaltending standpoint, this team's just not even close uh, they were th- that series against Chicago was looked like a high school hockey game with the level of defense being played on both sides. It was just it was, it was hard to watch, honestly. So uh, I, I think that I think they need to draft smart these next couple of years. Uh, another thing worth noting I have in my notes here is uh, per Craig Button, uh, obviously TSN reporter. He uh, came out and said that uh, Philip Broberg will stay in Sweden for this entire upcoming season, meaning he will not be over helping the Oilers yet or in their system at all. Uh, they got a guy like Evan Bouchard played in the American League for the entirety of last year. So uh, if these guys can keep progressing and hopefully be in the NHL sooner rather than later, it can definitely help. Uh, I don't think Oscar Clefbaum is the guy that's going to win you a cup if he's your guy playing 25 minutes a night. I think Ethan Bear is solid. I think Darnell Nurse is solid, but there's definitely still pieces that need to be added for uh, for Edmonton. So who do you have going to Edmonton at 14? Uh, I have Caden Gooley going to Edmonton at 14. Okay. Yeah, Caden Gooley is, uh, is a defenseman that, that, you know, defenseman makes sense for Edmonton. It's either Caden Gooley or um, Braden Schneider, I think, for a team like Edmonton. Um, I, I, I personally have them going with Schneider, but it's, it's a, it's a 50, 50 there in my opinion. Okay. Uh, makes sense. I agree with that. Uh, next is a Toronto at 15 and this might be a little bit of a shock. I think most people would think that Toronto would be in the market for a defenseman and, uh, I definitely don't think it's impossible, but I said, it's, it's kind of like a weird feeling for me that I just somewhat see Dawson Mercer ending up in Toronto. They did just trade Kasperi, uh, Kasperi Kapanen. Uh, not that the top guys aren't producing, but they could just need like another guy in that mix that could play in the top six eventually just to shake something up. And I think it seems like a weird 
right fit for me. I have Mercer going to Toronto. Okay. Yeah, for me, it's it's a defenseman for Toronto because that's just their bigger need. Um, and when you get to number 15 in the draft, uh, best player available is not really as big a thing as it is in the top 10. Um, I think Toronto is going to be uh, is going with a defenseman and I have them with a little bit of an upset here in uh, Shakir Mukamadulin from, from Russia. Uh, it's a, he's a... He's a, a He's an offensive defenseman who started in the KHL this season. I had a really good start to the season. I think he had five points in 11 games. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he's a little bit of a reach there. He's, he's ranked in the second round, but that's my first that's my first shocker of this mock draft, I guess. Awesome. Love to see it. Love seeing the uh, kind of off the boards come in, kind of throw a curveball to everyone watching. Uh, I know a lot of teams, like I said, especially someone like a Russian defenseman, a lot of fans might not identify or like the pick right away because, like, never heard of the guy. But, uh, uh, like I said, I, I love those curveballs. I love going somewhat off the board. Uh, 16 is Montreal. I could have seen them going either way, forward or defenseman. I ended up having them take Braden Schneider. Uh, I think a lot of their young guys looked very good in that series against Philadelphia. Uh, Suzuki was great. Uh, you already have some solid defensemen in uh, Alexander Romanov coming up through the system. They just signed Joe Edmondson, things like that. But I, I think Schneider is the fit there. Um, almost a point, almost not really a point per game. It was 42 points in 60 games last year in the WHL. And uh, just kind of almost a Montreal-ish defenseman, I say. That's the style of play. He just kind of fits the system they like to do. He likes to move the puck. He likes to just kind of... Oh, shut down in a way, not going to overwhelm you with points at the next level, but uh, a, a guy that every team needs someone in that role. Yeah, and um, yeah, uh, the, the the Montreal Canadiens just need someone. And I know they, they are stocked at center for the next couple of years, but we are talking about the 16th overall pick here, which is most likely a player that needs a year or two to even get to the NHL. Um. And with the Canadians, I always have the feeling they go with a player from the queue because, okay, I know they didn't do it last year with Cole Caulfield, but I don't see them going two years in a row without picking a player from the QMJHL with a, with a pick in this range. I have them going with Hendrix Lapierre, who has top 10 talent, but there are some, uh, some question marks surrounding his, uh, his health because he had a concussion and a neck injury. If a team can overlook those, then he's a great pick at 16. Okay, I like that pick right there. Uh, moving on is New Jer or, uh, Chicago Sorry, at 17. And I have them selecting Dylan Holloway, a guy that started the year. I saw him in the top 10 in multiple mock drafts. I think he kind of had a little bit of a falling off. Somebody that I kept a little bit of a uh, closer eye on than most just because he was playing at Wisconsin alongside Keandre Miller who I like keeping an eye on, obviously, all the Rangers prospects as much as possible. But uh, as I said, very good talent. Uh, true freshman, putting 17 points in uh, 35 games at the NCAA is definitely not easy. Uh, I think he's got a very high upside, and I think he's the the right fit there for in, uh, in Chicago at 17. Yeah, uh, I have Dylan Holloway personally going to Calgary at 19. But, yeah, he, he played college in his, uh, in his draft year, which – if you look at the numbers, you have to take that into consideration because most prospects only play their freshman year after they are drafted. Most college players are drafted out of a prep league and Dylan Holloway will be drafted out of the NCAA. So that's something to take into consideration. 
Um, at, at 17 for Chicago, I have them going with Jan Mishak from the Czech Republic. Uh, started in the Czech League last year, uh, moved to the Ontario Hockey League to the Hamilton Bulldogs midseason, and adjusted without without skipping a beat. And I think that's going to uh, wow a lot of scouts, the fact that he had such an easy transition to North America. And Chicago is a team that doesn't shy away from going with European players. Of course, they traded for Cuba League last year. They traded a fifth-round pick in Cuba League finished third in Calder voting. Uh, they signed a, uh, a Swiss free agent, undrafted, uh, Pius Suter. They, they just have experience and success with these European kids. So I could see them going with, a, uh, with this kid from the Czech Republic at 17. Okay, uh, moving on. I have the 18th pick is the New Jersey Devils, and I have a Jacob Perot. Uh, that's the person I have. That's, that's interesting. At 18, I have Jacob Perot going to the Devils as well, yeah. Okay, uh, Sarnia in the Ontario League last year, 70 points in 57 games. Uh, the Devils are, obviously, like you said, guys This at this point in the draft are most likely not coming in and playing right away. But uh, I think he's some guy that can eventually come in, maybe one day play alongside Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer in those top six. Uh, they have those two centermen. Can't look too much into position-wise back then, but I think the winger uh, best qualifies their needs. It uh, makes sense, and considering we both had him going there. Uh, so 19 of Calgary is where I had Hendricks Lapierre going. Uh, Lapierre to Montreal, and I had Holloway going to Calgary. Okay, all right. And you had Dylan Holloway at Calgary. All right, so it was kind of all in that area there, just a little bit mismatched. Like we said, the health, the health with uh, Lapierre might be somewhat of an issue, but... Uh, I said it was it was only 19 games he played last year, small sample size, but uh, I think he uh, is a guy that can definitely come in and help a team. Not maybe not right off the bat, obviously, but uh, as long as we're staying in the same kind of general range here, I think it's <laughs> going uh, relatively good. Uh, the 20th pick also belongs to the New Jersey Devils. They're picking at 18 and 20, and I have them selecting Helgi Granz. Uh, yeah, Helgi Granz is a good defenseman from Sweden. Um... You know, uh, if, I think they'll go with a defenseman here after going with, with two forwards early on. Uh, this being their third pick in the first round, I could see them go with Justin Barron, who has who has a lot of talent, very talented defenseman playing for the Halifax, I think Halifax Mooseheads in the QMJHL. Um, but he has some injury uh, troubles. Um, but with this being their third pick in the first round, they can afford to take a little bit of a risk. Okay, I uh, like the opinion there. Uh, moving on, 21st is the Columbus Blue Jackets, and I had them selecting Rodian Amiriov. Uh, who do you have going there? Uh, at 21 for the Blue Jackets, I have them go with Whitley, Ridley Gregg from the WHL. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a nasty player to play against. He brings some, uh, some grit to his game which I think is something that John Tortorella loves. And I know that head coaches are, to a degree, uh, involved in who they pick. Uh, so I could see the Columbus Blue Jays going with Greg here. I know uh, I'm going to go off on a limb here just by what you and I were talking about pre-show and say you're going to go having the Rangers select uh, Noel Gundler. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. Um Gundler is a player that a very polarizing player when it comes to scouts and fans on online. Uh, there have been some talks about about his attitude. 
I personally think those 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 uh, issues are overblown. Uh, the coach of the under twenty Swedish team has not selected him in previous years, and that's where it stems from. But I've been to Luleå. I've I've spoken to people with the team. I I, I met their their coach, their PR manager. They love this kid, and he might not play 18, 20 minutes a game in the Swedish Hockey League, but they they love his compete level they love his intensity and when i when i look at him on the ice he doesn't shy away from throwing out a hit he causes a, a lot of turnovers by going into the dirty areas and and using his physique to 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 push people off the puck and i think that is something that translates really well to the nhl from a larger rink to the nhl rink uh, he might need me two three years to get ready for the nhl but um with the Rangers having a player in Lulio and Niels Lundqvist, uh, they, they have seen him a little bit more. And this is just a theory, but I think that by having seen him play more than other teams, they they may have uh, seen the positives more than the negatives. Okay, I was going to ask you about that, if you thought the uh, the effect of playing with Niels Lundqvist over there did have any effect on the possibility of the Rangers selecting him. Obviously, like you said, he's somebody that they've gotten to watch more because of that. So uh, it does seem like an interesting fit. The Rangers, uh, we'll get into Nils Lundqvist a bit later, but uh, he's somebody that I know you and I as well have incredibly high hopes for. But uh, moving along now, the 23rd pick in the Philadelphia Flyers, I have them taking Justin Barron. Okay, for me with the Flyers, it's Dawson Mercer uh, going with a forward. Okay, um, I think the Flyers have... Uh, a pretty well-rounded team as is. Obviously, it looks like they've finally found a goalie in Carter Hart after what seems like eternity of not having a steady number one. They bring it in, it was like the early 2010s, they brought in Brzezgalov. That was supposed to be the fixture. Obviously, that didn't work out. They traded a guy like Bobrovsky who goes on to have a great career in Columbus. Just nothing seemed to work for Philly in the net. But Carter Hart looks to have finally answered those questions. Uh I think they're a pretty well-balanced team as is. I could see them taking a forward or a defenseman. I went with Barron, but uh, either way, I, I I don't hate the, uh, the the Mercer pick, and I I think it could they could go they 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 don't really have to stick to one potential thing. They could really branch out into many different areas and kind of just take the player they like best. Not really need to focus too much on position. Uh, Twenty-four is the Washington Capitals, and I have Ryan O'Rourke. Okay, for me, uh, the Washington Capitals at 24 going with a Russian, uh, Rodion Amirov, which we talked about a couple of minutes ago. The, the Capitals always draft really well in the late first round, and uh, they have guys like uh, Burakovsky, Kuznetsov. There are a couple of others. They drafted late in the first round. They, they are very successful getting high value with those late picks. And Rodion Amirov is off to a great start in the KHL. Uh, can play center, but is playing on the wing at the moment uh, in the KHL. Um, but I could see him have a Kuznetsov-like tra tra uh, trajectory where he plays in the KHL for three, four years and then comes over and takes the league by storm. Moving on to the next pick is the Colorado Avalanche. I had them selecting the centerman Connor Zari from Columbus in the WHL. 86 points, 57 games. Um the depth storing was definitely better for Colorado this year. Last year, they were a strictly one-line team, it felt like. It was all McKinnon, Rantanen, Landis Cog. They brought in Kadri, obviously, Burakoski. Um, some guy like JT Comfer had a big step up and had a good role there. Uh, I think you can never add too many depth centermen. Their, uh, their defense is going to be stacked for the next couple of years. You obviously have Kale McCarr, 
who's been unbelievable. Ryan Graves had a great season. Uh, Sam Gerrard looks good. They have Bowen Byram coming up. So I, I don't th- see them taking a defenseman. I have them taking Zari, and I, I think that'd be a good fit for them. Yeah, and, and the center makes sense for them. Uh, for me, it's Maverick Borko. Uh, the next pick is St. Louis, and obviously tough news out of St. Louis for Blues fans hearing that contract negotiations between the team and Alex Petrangelo have broken off meaning that they will most likely, if I had to assume, be in the market for a defenseman. Not that you can replace uh, Alex Petrangelo with the 27th or 26th pick automatically, but uh, you have to think defenseman is going to be one of the things they're they're emphasizing moving forward, and I'm selecting William Wallander. Yeah, defenseman is, 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 is an area they could go for, uh, but also their forwards are getting a little older, so investing a little bit in that is also not a bad choice. Um, I have them going with uh, with Lucas Reichel here uh, because if he's there at 26, um, I, th- I see a team like St. Louis who has experience drafting from Germany uh, jumping at the opportunity to get a player like Reichel. Okay, moving on to Anaheim again. Uh, I am selecting Jeremy Poirier, defenseman. Yeah, uh, and defenseman is probably what, uh, what the Anaheim Ducks would go with here. Going with a forward in the top 10, Later in the first round, going with a defenseman. Uh, for me, it's William Valinder from Sweden, but uh, Poire is is also a really good choice for them. Um, they they just need to restock that that uh, those shells with defensemen because over the years they've lost a couple, uh, most notably Shea Theodore, of course. Yeah, that one's looking. That's kind of tough luck for them right now. He uh, Shea Theodore is unbelievable. Guy doesn't get talked about nearly enough. I think these playoffs kind of put him on the map. For, to let everyone see how good he really is. But, uh, I mean, I, I can't tell you the last time I've seen a defenseman just skate the way he does. Like he just he just can go all game, just nonstop, play a, full, play a full two minutes on a power play, it feels like, then be out there for another 45 seconds in the D zone. It's uh, it's pretty impressive to watch. He's, uh, I'm a big fan of Shea Theodore. So, yeah, that, uh, that's definitely something that needs to be uh, filled for Anaheim. Uh, I have Brandon Bryson going to Ottawa at 28. It's going to be their third pick of the first round. Uh, I think we both agree they would most likely split a forward, a defenseman between their third and fifth pick. And now you have him at, uh, at 28. I have them taking Bryson, the, uh, the centerman out of the uh, United States Hockey League. Uh, yeah, and, and again, it's a team that, that, could, that could use anything. Uh, but having gone with a with defenseman and a forward in the top 10, going with another forward late in the, late in the first round, uh, they also have the 33rd overall pick, of course, the second pick in round two. Uh, so if they if they miss on a player, uh, I could see them trading up using those two picks here. Um, I, at 28, if they keep their pick, I have them going with Jean-Luc Foudy. Um, moving on to 29, the Vegas Golden Knights, and I had them selecting uh, Ridley Gregg. Um, I think he is most likely uh, uh, going to be a good fit in Vegas there. They have a solid amount of forward defensemen as is. They're, they're kind of balanced. Another team that doesn't necessarily need to uh, lean one way. I think Gray is just the guy they end up going with. Obviously, it's going to be all preference towards the team who's available, stuff like that, but it, it seems like a good fit for me. Yeah, and as, uh, for Vegas at 29, I have Braden Snyder, who we discussed earlier. Okay. Uh, the 30th pick, Dallas Stars, obviously heartbreaking, being in that bubble for all that time and coming home with nothing. 
Um, I had them taking Dmitry Rachensky, the Russian winger, which might be a little bit off the board, as you could say, but uh, his skill level from what I've seen, read, watched his highlights, is uh, as high as anyone's in this draft class, potentially, and uh, someone that... Uh, you know, may not be the most consistent guy out there, but I think his high end is 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 up there with with pretty much anyone in the draft. Yeah, and when you get to this area of the draft, the later picks in the first round, you're going to see players who you may not expect in the first round. Just like you'll see players drop into the second or maybe even the third round, like we saw last year with Matthew Robertson, uh, and a year before with Akil Thomas, who was by many projected to be a first round pick. Um, I think the last two picks that the Stars and the, and the Sharks will go with the defenseman. Um, and I keep flipping these two uh, in my mocks because I do see them both going late. Um, at the moment, I have the Dallas Stars going with Helvin Grunts from Sweden, who, again, we discussed earlier. Okay. Uh, me at 31, last pick of the draft. And maybe if we're being honest, I don't want to, you know, be kind of like attacking Sharks fans when I say this, but you could argue the team, one of the teams that's in like one of the worst positions currently in in terms of moving forward. You have Carlson and Burns, you're playing a boatload of money too that are both on the back end of their careers. Uh, I don't think you have a true number one goalie, Martin Jones. Uh, you do have young promising players. Uh, Tamo Meyer's very good. You've got other pieces along the way as well. Um, Kevin LeBanc seems to be a solid player, but I think they're not in the best possible position. I have them taking Lucas Reichel, uh, the 31 pick, to round out the first round. Yeah, and, and I, I have Reichel going to Detroit at 32, the first pick in the second round. But in that range, it does make a lot of sense for, for the Sharks to just go with upside. Um, I have them going with, uh, with a defenseman from uh, the United States National Team Development Program. And this is my favorite player in North America, from North America this draft, uh, Eamon Powell. Um, he, he started off really quiet this season. He was, he was projected to be like a fifth or maybe fourth round pick. And then throughout the season, he, he progressed and he was jumping up the rankings. And, and a lot of people started noticing him. He's a really smooth skater, good in the transition game. Um, I think for Ranger fans, the comparison here stylistically would be Adam Fox and Zach Jones. Um, so if the Sharks are willing to to gamble with this pick, um, they also have the 34th overall pick, of course. If they're willing to gamble here and go with Eamon Powell, I mean, I would love to see Eamon Powell go in the first round. Awesome. Yeah, so that pretty much concludes the first round. We're not going to go into more, obviously. It's hard enough as is getting into the later half of the first round. There's some, there was a lot of big NHL news. I don't think we really have time to get into all of it right now. Uh, one thing I think I just definitely wanted to get your opinion on, nothing to do with prospects, I mean, we're both Ranger fans, is the Henrik Lundqvist situation. Obviously, it's tough. Uh, I barely even remember watching the Rangers before Henrik Lundqvist. When he came into the league, I was nine years old. Like, it's just, it's I, the only Rangers I've ever really known is the Henrik Lundqvist New York Rangers. Uh, the way this had to play out is absolutely awful. I'm, I know for a fact the Rangers didn't want it to end like this, but it just, with everything that's happened lately, with the emergence of Georgiev and the Shosturkin, it just it kind of fell this way, and it, it sucks. But I just wanted your opinion on it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, Henrik Lundqvist is the victim of Igor Shosturkin's rise. Basically, uh, they drafted Shosturkin the same year they gave Lundqvist his extension, so. If you think about it, 
when they signed Lundqvist to this, I think it was seven years, yeah, to this seven-year deal, they probably didn't expect their fourth-round pick to, to be this good. In fact, he was the second goalie drafted by the Rangers that year behind Brendan Halverson. So I understand the Rangers at the time just going all in. They could have gone for eight years even. Um, and Lundqvist has been, for many Ranger fans, the only goalie they've, they've, they've seen as the Ranger starter. Uh, I'm a little bit older. I remember Mike Richter and, unfortunately, also guys like uh, Dunham, uh, you know. But, um, yeah, 100% they'll have his number retired. Uh, when, I don't know. I, if I were the Rangers, I would wait until things go back to normal. You want MSG packed with 20,000 people, if you can, for the, uh, for the ceremony. Um, but yeah, it, it sucks for Lundqvist. He's losing a little bit of money in the buyout. The Rangers get a little bit of cap relief. And now Lundqvist has the option to either retire or go for a cup like Ray Bork did. And there are some teams out there that, that could use a goalie. And if Lundqvist does pick a team, I mean, he's in the same position as Tom Brady, if you think about it. Uh, quick switch to football, but Tom Brady, he picked the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they had the best def- one of the best defenses in the league. It would give him the best opportunity to to go for another Super Bowl. If Lundqvist goes for a team that has solid defense and a really good offense, and the only thing they're lacking is goaltending, that would be perfect. I think a team like the Colorado Avalanche for Henrik Lundqvist is the perfect destination. Yeah, Colorado is actually the place I had in mind as well. Uh, I've always liked Colorado. Something about him it was Joe Sackett. He was one of my favorite players when I was little. I'm a big Nathan McKinnon fan right now. I think Colorado would be great for him. Uh, I'm not sure he would necessarily be the number one guy automatically there. Philip Grubauer obviously is a very skilled goalie. He was hurt last year in game one against Dallas, so that kind of you know, impeded Colorado's chances of moving on. But uh, I think Grubauer and Lundqvist could be a very good duo. They obviously do have Pavel Francouz. I don't know what they would do with him if they potentially sign Lundqvist. But uh, I think that's a place that could be a great fit for him. Uh, I've heard, Ben, you look on Twitter. I'm sure you know this. You see people throwing out every possible situation. Like, oh, Lundqvist to Carolina, Lundqvist to Edmonton. But, you know, everything you could possibly imagine. I've seen Philly as an opportunity. So, but. They have Carter Hart. It's not happening. But, I mean, he has 30 teams to pick from, realistically. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe he goes – and this is this I would hate, but maybe he goes to Pittsburgh for a year to play with Crosby and Malkin. Yeah. That'd be weird. That'd be so weird. <laughs> give, it, give it one last shot and who knows. Maybe Washington Capitals. The Capitals are moving on from Braden Holby, I think. Yeah, most likely. But like I said, wherever team he goes to, I don't care what it is. That's that's the team I'm rooting for if the Rangers are out, hands down. There's no I've never seen an athlete that I've wanted to win a championship more, regardless if they're on my team or not at this point. So uh, I, obviously, I'll be I'll be all in for Hank. I'll be all in for whatever team he goes to, assuming the Rangers are not in contention. Uh, more Ranger news, real quick, is the uh, Mark Stahl trade. Uh, you said again all over Twitter. Everyone's like, "Oh, finally, they got rid of Stahl." Well, like, I, I, I'm someone that loved Mark Stahl. He was so good in the early years of his career before the puck to the eye and the concussion and all that stuff. Really, probably our best defenseman that whole time. Uh, before McDonough even broke onto the scene, really, Stahl was the guy. Uh, so it's the right move for the Rangers now. They were able to get rid of was it five point seven. Uh, they had to give up a second rounder, obviously, 
very huge for the Rangers that it wasn't the 22nd pick they had to give up. But yeah, Stahl's contract's off the books. Uh, Steve Eiserman acquired a second rounder in Detroit and most likely we'll just, if I assume, we'll probably flip Stahl at the next deadline to a team that needs him. So I think it's a t- trade that helps both teams, but uh, I, I loved Mark Stahl and I, I hope him the best moving on. Yeah, and it, it makes sense for both teams. Detroit is in the middle of a rebuild. They're using their cash space as an asset. Very clever. Uh, there's more trades here, just things we can go through. There's Obviously, there's been so many. Patrick Hornquist was big news going to Florida in exchange for Mike Matheson and Colton Sevier. That caught a lot of people off guard. Uh, I was not expecting that trade for sure. I'm sure you weren't either, but... Uh, uh, that and the uh, Eric Stahl from Marcus Johansson. Uh, Johansson going to Minnesota, Stahl to Buffalo in a one-for-one. Some interesting trades worth noting. Uh, the Canes offered Andrei Svechnikov a new contract of eight years, 7.5, but apparently Svechnikov is seeking a short-term deal. And this is this is what we discussed earlier with the uh, offer sheet for Sebastian Ajo. Players want to be an unrestricted free agent as soon as possible. Uh, Sveshnikov, if he signs a four-year deal, it would take him to unrestricted free agency at age 25. It's this is the smart thing to do. You you sign you sign a short deal, go to unrestricted free agency, test the market. You have teams lining up to give you an offer, and that's when you cash in. Whereas other players wait until they're 28, 29, 30. I mean, these players are are still in it for the money. They have to earn enough money in their career to last in, in a lifetime. So, well said. Uh, next, uh, Oliver Ekman Larson is apparently willing to waive his no move clause if the destination is either Vancouver or Boston. I don't see Boston being in the hunt for Ekman Larson right now. That just seems completely odd to me. I think he would be a great help to Vancouver. Uh, they, they, they had a great season, obviously. Thatcher Demko emerged, uh, potentially now leading to the departure of Jacob Markstrom, even. But uh, I think that was the weirdest news, personally, that he would leave it for Boston or Vancouver. kind of seemed random to me. But uh, worth noting, I think, I think, the, uh, I think everyone, is, or everyone in Arizona was relatively bought in, is what I thought. Like, they had a team that was on the cusp. Obviously, they got kind of embarrassed by Colorado, but uh, it was interesting news for me. Yeah, and, and the, the fact that he would waive his no-move clause for Boston doesn't mean that Boston is necessarily interested. But I could see it, I could see it being uh, a scenario where they get him as a replacement for Tory Krug, who is obviously moving on from Boston. Okay, moving on to the next. Uh, real quick, I just wanted to get uh, your opinion on some possible landing spots for uh, Alex Petrangelo, the, uh, the biggest name on the free agent market right now. Uh, Colorado. Easy. I mean, they have to catch space to offer him what he wants. An in-central division rivalry. That'd be, that'd be pretty interesting to watch. Uh, I think that would, make, that would make Colorado instant favorites if they're not already, no? <laughs> they, they, are, they are among the contenders. If they get Petrangelo for, to add to their defense, um, it would probably make them the best defensive team in the league. On top of the offense they already have with, uh, with McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen. And, of course, Lundqvist in that. Uh, <laughs> that would make them instant contenders for me. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Um, we're going to skip through the rest of this stuff here. There's so much. We're already closing in a little bit over an hour, so we're going to wrap this up soon. 
But uh, real quick, I just this wouldn't feel right if we didn't talk Rangers prospects on here. It's a pleasure to have you on. thing I was looking forward to most is this upcoming conversation. Uh, the Rangers do have $20 million in cap space right now. They've got Strom, Tony D'Angelo, Brendan Lemieux, Alexander Georgiev, and Phil DiGiuseppe as restricted free agents. Uh, I think they honestly, with the exception of DiGiuseppe, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring back all of them. Uh, I'm not sure what the Strom situation is going to be. There was rumors about the Rangers potentially making a trade for Max Domi to come into that number two center role. But uh, D'Angelo is a guy that I want to see the Rangers lock up long term. Uh, had an absolute breakout year offensively. His defense, his full game definitely needs to be tuned a little bit. But uh, uh, I, I, I think he's the guy that I want running the Rangers power play for the next couple years. And uh, Brandon Lemieux is a guy that, you know, you need that kind of at least one player or more that play that heavy style come playoff time. He's that guy for the Rangers, out of doubt. And then with the Lundqvist news, pretty much Georgiev signing has got to be a guarantee coming out at some point. Yeah, uh, older restricted free agents make sense if they if they sign a new deal with the Rangers. Um, Strom, a lot of people don't like Strom as a second-line center, but, I mean, he plays with played with Panarin for a whole, for a whole season and it worked. And we have no indication that it won't work for another season. So let's just give, if I was Jeff Gordon, I would give him a one-year deal. If it works, great. If it doesn't, you trade, you trade him at the deadline for an asset. Yeah, D'Angelo is the most valuable out of the restricted free agents here. Um, so easy decision there. Just go with him. As long as he doesn't make more than $5 million a year, in my opinion, he would be a good fit. Um, and Georgiev, now that Lundqvist is bought out, is definitely coming back as the backup. Uh, another thing worth noting real quick is it appears that Jesper Foss and the New York Rangers have been nowhere near even discussing a new contract, which is very sad to see. Any true Ranger fan knows how valuable Jesper Foss was to that team. Uh, I mean, he's one of the, th- I guess, well, now it's only, he's one of two guys left now from that 2014 cup run. It's just him and Kreider now. So uh, that, that'll be very sad to see him go. I wish him nothing but the best wherever he ends up. Uh, whatever, whatever team gets him, they, I don't think they even know the, the full extent of what they're getting because he does a little bit of literally everything out there. Yeah, and he's a player you can plug into your top six when you have an injury for a week or two. Uh, he's a very versatile player um, and very popular player. He won the Players uh, Player of the Year award, I think, five out of the last six years. So his teammates love him. But he is in his late 20s. He's an unrestricted free agent for the first time. I mean, I have no problem with Jasper Foss testing the market and going for the money. Uh, this is his first time to get, to get a big payday. So, All right, we're going to move strictly to the Rangers prospects now before we wrap this up. Uh, first guy on my list, at least, that I want to talk about is Vitaly Krasov. Uh, some guy that I had all the, all the hype in the world for coming out of his draft year. You know, before Kako was going to be a ranger before you know panarin was a ranger before all was like wow like vitaly krasov this kid's going to be a stud and he's shown flashes of it don't get me wrong there, he's had some highlight real goals his creativity with the puck is unbelievable but there's still just something about his game that does not feel quite ready to transition to the nhl that being said he's had an incredible start in the khl so far this season yeah and for some teams he would be the number one prospect in their in their system uh, the Rangers are just lucky that they got Kako and now Lafreniere, and they also have Niels Lundqvist, Keandre Miller. They are stacked in the, in their prospect pool. Uh, Kravtsov is in his third year after the draft now. 
which if you compare him to players like Tarasenko and Kuznetsov, it's not the end of the world that he's in the KHL right now. Kuznetsov played four full seasons after being drafted. Tarasenko played three full seasons in the KHL. Um, so the, those are the, the two I compare his production to this season. He had, I think, six goals in his first eight games. He was off to a flying start. Unfortunately, now out with a lower body injury. We don't know how bad it is, how serious it is. But I hope to see him back on the ice soon. Uh, he looks very comfortable out there. Is he a guy you can see? Like, the Rangers do have the ability to recall him at any point. Is he a guy you can see coming over and making the team to start the next season? Or do you think he stays the remainder of the year in the KHL? Um, if they want him on the right wing, and uh, you look at the depth we have with Buchnevich and Kako and Gauthier, there is a spot there to be filled by him, maybe on the third line, if Gauthier is on the fourth. Um, the question is, do the Rangers want to bring him over midseason, or do they want to leave him in Russia just to finish out the season and you know have him, have, have him play a full year in the KHL? I personally would like to see him in the KHL for a full season, uh, I think the confidence he gains is more more valuable than having him join some training sessions with the Rangers and playing eight nine minutes a night in the NHL. Yeah, I agree with that. Definitely let him get a uh, get those minutes, get that confidence, keep it growing. You know, let him let him mature even more. Have him come over at the fresh season. Uh, hopefully, uh, the year after this one. Uh, next is Nils Lundqvist, a guy undersized late first round. Was he 28th? I think he was, right? Is that is that correct? I think so. Yes, yes. Yeah, so uh, just a guy that's done nothing but raise his stock since the draft. Uh, unbelievably offensive talent, so smart with the puck, and a guy that I can't wait to see be a Ranger, and hopefully sooner rather than later, because this guy I think is going to be unbelievable. Yeah, and speaking of confidence, I mean, this this kid oozes confidence ever since he was drafted, even before that. This is his third full season in the SHL. Uh, he broke the record for points by, uh, by a teenage defenseman in the Swedish Hockey League last year. And this year, the first three, is it three games? I think four games. The first four games, um, he has a goal and an assist. So he's, he's contributing offensively. But as I always say, Nils Lundqvist's offense is his least impressive asset. For me, the, the most important aspect of his game is his transition game, his gap control, and just his vision. Defensively, he's so solid. And I have been to, I think, about 25 games where he plays. And I always try to get a seat behind the bench to, to observe players. And when I observe Lundqvist on the bench, he never sits down. He's always leaning over the boards, coaching the other defensemen. I have never seen a teenage defenseman be that engaged to, that he's actually coaching his teammates on the ice. It's a great thing to see. And I cannot wait for him to come over to New York and, and light it up in the NHL. Yeah, awesome. I think we're uh, both in agreement there. From, uh, from one Swede to another is Carl Henriksen. Uh, second round pick two years ago now. Uh, definitely shown some flashes of being great. I don't think he has the uh, high-end skill that some of these other Rangers prospects have, but he's a guy that it seems like could come in and be an unbelievable uh, second or third line center in the NHL one day. He'll be a power, he'll be a penalty kill guy, uh, log important minutes, stuff like that. Just a responsible hockey player all around. Yeah, and, and with Henriksen, I think his biggest uh, asset is, is his vision and his passing. In a lot of ways, he reminds me of Derek Brassard. If you think back of Derek Brassard as a Ranger, do you remember those those magical passes that nobody saw coming? Like he could, he saw a teammate that no one else saw, and he would just get the pass there, like a saucer pass to get the puck over there. That's what I see from Hendrickson a lot, and 
his coach loves him in in the in the in the Swedish uh, hockey league. Uh, his coach put, puts him out there in the final minute of the game to protect the league, which shows how, how much confidence he has in uh, Henriksen, who's only 19 years old. Um, another one, I guess you could say somewhat of a sore subject, is Leas Anderson, someone that we obviously all hope to be a Ranger by now, playing, you know, I'd say either second or third line center for us right now, consistently every game. Uh, when he was drafted, thought to be a possibility even after the draft as the potential next future captain of the Rangers by a lot of people. So uh, his progression has definitely not been what the Rangers had hoped. But uh, have you have you given up on completely on the chance of Leas Anderson being a New York Ranger? Um, I don't give up on players when they're 21. Sorry. Well, not 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 giving up on him as a person. I'm just saying the fact that he will be a Ranger. I, I think the chance of him being a Ranger is probably 25% at this point, and that has nothing to do with how the Rangers see him. Because I feel that when when we get to June, there's an expansion draft, and I would not be surprised if the Seattle Kraken select Leas Anderson from, from the Rangers. They're not going to protect him, so he'll be available. And for them, it's, it's all about going for value. And... Um, him having four uh, four more years of control after the expansion draft uh, just makes him a valuable player in an expansion draft, like Oscar Lindbergh for the Vegas Golden Knights, who may not have panned out for them, but they went with him over Jesper Fast because they had more years of control with him. And if Leas Andersson has a really good season in Sweden, and aside from the five-game suspension he got yesterday, Nothing indicates that he won't have a good season. Uh, he's off to a good start. He's, he's involved in 45% of his team's goals. Uh, if he has a really good season with HV71 and makes the playoffs, I could see his value going up a little bit. A team is not going to trade for him before the expansion draft, though, for the exact same reason I just mentioned. He has to be protected. But I see Seattle claiming him in the expansion draft. If not, he'll be back on the Rangers in August for the 2021-22 season. Uh, assuming, of course, he signs a new deal with them. Awesome, yeah. I, I would definitely love to see Elias back in New York. I think, I think the uh, it's said sometimes things just don't go as planned, and that's that's not a bad thing. But uh, uh, I, I, I've always liked Elias. Uh, a lot of people, I guess, were a little bit thrown off by the the uh, the medal incident at the World Juniors. I took it as like this, just a kid who hates to lose, and like that's what you want. You just want someone that hates to lose. He wants to win more than anything so uh i wish leas the best i i really hope he's a ranger again one day but uh moving on here we're gonna do a couple more before we uh wrap this up is keandre miller uh keandre miller is a guy that i'd say the one of the most talked about rangers prospects now uh only been playing the position of defense for like four or five seasons which is unbelievable to think uh, he's guys a freak athlete. He was a great football player in high school, things like that of nature as well. He's just, just an absolute beast and someone that I think can be a great defenseman for the Rangers for a long time to come. Uh, do you think he's someone that makes this makes the team coming out of the camp this year? Because he did just sign his deal with the Rangers this past offseason. Um, yeah, never say never. I mean, uh, I didn't expect Del Zotto to make the team back in, what was it, 2009? Uh, okay, Andre Miller, two years after being drafted, signs his entry-level contract, so he forfeits his uh, his junior and senior year in college. Um, I think I think he has the talent to make the team. The question is, is he mature enough defensively to to uh, to keep his head up in the NHL? Uh, if if he can, then uh, and with the open we have on the on the left side, 
there, there is a spot for him to take, but he has competition in Tarmo Reunanen, uh, Matthew Robertson, who might also might, might make the team. He's also on an entry-level contract already. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's, not, there's a possibility for him, but it all depends on how he translates to pro hockey. Um, but, yeah, the talent is there, definitely. Couldn't agree more. I said the talent is off the charts. Um, Levy Altson's another guy that doesn't really get talked about as much. Another Rangers prospect that I think has very good potential. Uh, do you see him coming over anytime soon or uh, being uh, at least in the Rangers system? Maybe not in the lineup, but down in Harper or something like that? Uh, yeah, I think the two Finnish guys, Levy Altson and Larry Pagliuniemi, uh, could, could make the team eventually. But uh, both being late round picks, they need a little bit longer to season. Uh, if you look at the trajectory that Jesper Fast had to the NHL, it took him five, six years to get there from the moment he was drafted until he was a regular in the NHL. So for Payuniemi, I would I would aim at 2022. Uh, Altonen probably 2023 to be an NHL regular if they make it. Uh, I think Altonen has a longer way to go, though. I could go on and do this all day with you, but uh, we're going to wrap it up to our last guy here, and that's Morgan Barron. Uh, captain of Cornell, Ivy League school, obviously. Very, very mature. Also signing his deal. Uh, is he a guy you can expect being on the Rangers roster anytime soon? Yeah, I think I think there are three forwards who can actually make the team uh, with the openings we have. Morgan Barron, of course. Uh, Ranger fans know him because we drafted him a few years ago. But there uh, are two undrafted free agents, Patrick Kodorenko and Justin Richards, who had a lot of offers from a lot of teams. I think Kodorenko got offers from 30 teams out of 31. And Justin Richards grew up in a hockey environment. His dad is the assistant coach for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think all three have a chance to make the team uh, throughout the season. Maybe not straight out of camp because, you know, it is an adjustment from college to pro hockey. But the talent is there, especially Kodorenko who had an injury that caused him to go undrafted in 2017. He's the same age as Morgan Barron. So... Uh, interesting to see what's what's going to happen, but we have a lot of pieces that that have an opportunity now to uh, to fight for a spot when training camp starts. And it's it's the thing I look forward to the most outside of the draft, training camp more so than opening night. Awesome, man! This has been uh, this has been great. It's uh, been so much fun talking to you, getting your opinion on all this stuff. Obviously, I know the uh, the draft this week. I'm sure you'll be. Uh, sure you'll be following that as much as possible with uh the time difference over there but uh this has been a blast and uh, i'd love to have you back on again sometime in the future if possible uh, i just want to thank you again this has been a great time yeah it's been a lot of fun and uh, yeah I, I took wednesday off work because if the draft ends at 5 a.m i'm not going into work uh and then wednesday of course is day two which is for me always always the best day of the draft because i like to attend the draft and day two you get to hang out with everyone you know i I, I have a conversation with Elliot Friedman, etc. They're all there, and, and I missed that a little bit this year. But, yeah, looking forward to the draft Tuesday and Wednesday. And, uh, yeah, maybe we can do a follow-up after the draft to go over the guys we actually end up picking. Awesome. Yeah, I love it. Uh, thank you very much, and uh, uh, be in touch soon. Thank you.